we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,265 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Melissa from Cutting Through the Matrix. It is once a fortnight and she is back with us. Melissa, how are you? I'm well. Thank you, Johnny. How are you doing? Well, if I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. <laughs> No, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Speaking of 14 days to flatten the curve, I'm glad we didn't get rid of that intro because they're trying to bring it back, aren't they? Yes. And I'm glad that you started there because you you usually ask me, what have I been thinking about? What have I been looking into? And I was just sitting here before you were ready to begin thinking, the only thing really that is on my mind is this push, the drumbeat for Act Two of Operation COVID. That's it, because it's clear worldwide we're going back into another big push. You know, the people that I sat down and I told, because I, I had a couple of phone calls from people that I trust within the <clears throat> bureaucracy, and <laughs> they told me this. I said, no, no, it can't be. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, they were getting briefed on it. That was from the first call. The second call I got was a few days later, and they said, yeah, this is what we're being told. But we're being told October, and we're not being told anything about lockdowns. They just said that they were going to start phasing this stuff back in. Mm -hmm. The city of Atlanta, it, it, well, excuse me, the, the Atlanta airport has already started the mask mandates at the airport. Mm -hmm. And we had, a f we had our first school closure, the, excuse me, we had our first school district closure in Texas. It was yes. a, a San Antonio school district, I believe. And they, not only did they shut down classes, they shut down all the extracurricular activities too. So mm -hmm. they're, they're going full steam ahead. Bruce talked about uh, some colleges, which no surprise there. Some colleges are, are bringing back the, uh, the full measures. And there's actually, there's a couple of universities, and I, I saw this over the weekend, there's a couple of universities that are actually expelling students for the fall semester if they're not vaccinated. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, I, it's absolutely crazy. it is crazy. I mean, I haven't looked into, you know, which universities, which colleges, how many, where, but I have a sense. I, I saw one headline today that said 100 colleges mandating vaccines. I think that 100. that is one. Yeah, I think that's nationwide, but that's an awful lot. 
you know, I don't know if that's colleges combined with universities. Then I saw the same thing. Texas and a couple of other states have had um, district-wide closures. Now, one of them, one of the little headlines that I saw said that they were closing the whole school district, not just because of COVID, they said, for COVID and other illnesses. And it just made me think, you know, remember, Johnny, we've had things that have happened every year. They call it cold season, flu season, whatever. Children become ill. They've never closed down school districts before. This is, you know... We're under a mind control exercise, and they just keep upping it and upping it. And so they normalize the idea that when a few children in a school become ill, the entire district closes. They've <laughs> they've lost their minds. Marty talked about this last week, and he's one of our, our UK guys. And, and he said, you know, in the initial stages, so the if you go back to the, the 14 days to, to flatten the curve, he says, look, we didn't know what was going on in China. They weren't they weren't being very forthcoming. And mm-hmm. we didn't realize just how bad because you still had faith in the, the system here largely. I mean, those of us that could see through it, we thought mm, that's probably not a good idea. But the way that they sold it to everybody in the beginning to the average person, it made perfect sense, right? Because they mm-hmm. they have to give you that one thing, just that one thing that everybody can agree to, and you can't disagree with it, kind of thing. And it, it sounds reasonable, and it sounds it sounds logical. And look, we are we're all in this together, the the whole thing. And we just need two weeks. It's it's like cutting a fire break, as as Marty explained on Friday. It's like cutting a fire break. And he being in the in, in the system and seeing this stuff day in and day out in the bureaucracy and everything, he says this seemed logical to me. It seemed like it was a the sensible thing to do because we couldn't trust what was coming out of China. And I, I can understand that from that that standpoint. So yeah, it seemed like a logical thing to do. But after three days, three days, I told everybody, I said, we're not going back. We're never mm-hmm. going to go back. Mm-hmm. After three days, you could start to see what they were doing. They were starting to do things that were not even like it had nothing to do with just the supposed closures. When they started to restrict things that you could buy in stores, when they mm-hmm. started to pick and choose. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, you see, we have essential businesses and then we have non-essential businesses. We have essential services and we have non-essential services. Your mm-hmm. churches, those are not essential. Um, excuse me. People need hope. People need faith. People need spiritual guidance in dark times like that. And you're saying that that's not essential, but you can go to, a, you know, forgive me for stepping across political lines here, but um, you can go to a BLM rally. That's fine. You can go riot in the streets. You can go loot. That's fine. But you can't go to church. You can't worship the living God. Well, I think that they may want, they, they probably have something in the works. If they don't, I'll just give them an idea here that the Bible needs to be rewritten and so that that now it will say wherever two or more are gathered wearing masks and a plexiglass bubble. I thought it was either going to be that or you're going to go the Paul Harvey route and say our father who art in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Which is well, I mean it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, you you're you're changing the uh the church to the US Capitol building. Mhm. No, it's you know one of the things that Somebody sent me an article last week written by Matt Taibbi, who 
was part of the Twitter files saying, I, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't really get too was, deep into yeah, that. Yeah, he was one of the disclosure people. Yeah. So whenever they were doing the, the dump thing or whatever it was, then he was. Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't much. It wasn't a really big dump. I called it a limited hangout. But anyway, he wrote about the idea of transparency and how that word has been adulterated. So it what transparency means to the ruling elite and bureaucrats means that we, the little people, have to have our every move and thought and transaction be transparent to them. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the idea of that came from the Freedom of Information Act, where the government was supposed to be you know, have some transparency in its actions and movements. Of course, that's a joke anyway. But in this article, he cited a study that was done by the Aspen Institute in November of 2021 called the Commission on Information Disorder. It's a very interesting document, but they're basically saying it, it, it has to do with fake news and the way things are presented to us and that the studies and things that they cited within that commission, it was eye-opening to me because what I saw were things that there was so much coming at us from January of 2020 that you couldn't possibly absorb it all or read all the documents. You're getting up to speed. You're looking at event 201 and then you're looking at the uh, Rockefeller's lockstep. So you're trying to play catch up on how long they've been planning this event. And what was eye opening about looking at this document from the Aspen Institute was that immediately, and I'm, I'm talking about February of 2020 and early March and late March of 2020. The whole idea of this intense control of the media or the narrative, if you will, was being managed from every possible angle. There was just no way that they were going to allow unauthorized voices, whether that was citizen journalists or physicians. I mean, we've seen the way they have just destroyed the careers of doctors who have differing opinions on what's going on and how to treat it, how to manage it, how to survive it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I'm not saying that any one of these doctors got it all the way right, but this is what medicine supposedly is about. You're looking for the best option. It's not carved in stone. That's why we call but, it practicing medicine. You know, yeah. you're, you're practicing. You have a practice. You, you, you don't get things right because you're trying different things, seeing what works because every individual is different. I know. And Johnny, I used to make jokes about that. I'm like, I don't really like that. You know, it's like, I don't want to take my automobile to a mechanic who says he's practicing mechanics. You know, Everybody's, I want you to learn, <laughs> learn it. You know, I had that conversation <laughs> with somebody earlier this week. I've, I've, I'm, I'm having some, uh, some work done on the house and some contractors are in. And here in, in Germany, you have to go to school for just about everything. Like you have to go to, you have to go and get like an apprenticeship and trade school and everything else. And people are asking me, they're like, do you really have to go to, to school in the U.S. to be a contractor? And I said, no. I said, you don't? 
I said, no, but it's a good idea if you want to go to like a trade school and learn electronic, you know, electricity and air conditioning and heating and things like that. But I said, to be an average contractor, no. And they said, well, how does that work? And I said, the easiest way for you to do it is to just do it. The easiest way for you to learn is just go out and do it. And I, I hate to say it's the same way as medicine, but like they, they've turned medicine on its head. So oh, now they, everything they really is, have. It's an absolute now is, is everything. It's, it's not it's not you're practicing medicine anymore. And we were kind of, we were discussing this earlier in the week. I said, look at, and you just brought it up again. Look at what they did to some of these physicians. They mm-hmm. absolutely ruined them. And it's not, and they're, they're still doing that, by the way. They're still taking yes. their medical licenses away. Yes. And if it was for alternative, <clears throat> alternative methods of treatment other than a vaccine, like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, then it got to the point where the doctors that believed in that and the doctors that knew that it worked and had success with other patients or were prescribing it for something entirely different than COVID, they would give the prescription, call in the prescription to the pharmacy and the pharmacists refused to fill it. Mm-hmm. I, I heard about some of those. Yeah, it, it's this is what has happened is unprecedented, except possibly uh, under Soviet communism. I don't know. It's just it's unprecedented and it is still ongoing. And this is the thing. I, I think it's just too easy for people to get lulled. Well, you don't have to wear your mask everywhere and you don't know this. This never stopped. This operation really never did stop. Even saying, oh, well, we're lifting some mandates and you don't have to wear a mask here. And, um, you know, I think Joe Biden said about a year ago, well, we've got COVID, you know, that's that's a thing of the past or however he worded that. And now he's the one who has announced that he wants to spend, you know, X amount of millions and millions or billions on a new vaccine that you know, depending on which article you looked at, he's going to require everyone to take or he's going to strongly suggest that everyone take it. And part of this program, you know, I mean, Alan Watt talked about this 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. He said, look, there's going to come a time when you will have to have all of your inoculations up to date and they will be constantly telling you that you need a a vaccine for this or a vaccine for that. And if you don't have it, when you walk into a grocery store, an alarm will go off. Well, we we really are there. We are. I uh, yeah. I I started noticing and I I was saying last week, I started noticing they're they're putting up barriers in stores. And I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about those plastic dividers. They're putting in like iron gates. Yes. You can't get past them. Right now you can. You can just walk through, but What's to stop them from putting a QR code scanner on there? Mm -hmm. Because that's coming. That is coming. And Neil Foster pointed that out to me a couple of months ago, the the kind of widespread implementation of these barriers, different types. Some of them are gated, like you're talking about, they're metal, just different types of barriers, but they're not plastic. And this was around the world, different places in the world. And that's exactly what this is. And the excuse, because there is always the plausible reason, and then there's the real reason. And the plausible reason is theft. Which I can understand uh, the theft aspect of it, but that's not going to stop it. Uh, If somebody is, for lack of a better phrase, if somebody's hell bent on getting their hands on something, if it's not nailed down, even if it is nailed down, they're going to go in there with a crowbar and they're going to get it. Putting up a, uh, you know, a, a, a metal gate or a plastic barrier or whatever, they'll just go through it. That's all. If you look at the um, the stores that they have out in California, 
with all of the uh, the theft, retail theft that's going on out in the state of California, they've got everything in uh, like behind locked cabinets now. And so you mm-hmm. need to get an employee to come over and unlock the cabinet. Well, do you know what they're doing? They're just smashing the locks on the cabinets. Of course. So it's not going to matter. Before we get too far off of that, I have a clip here of the, um, well, one of the most astute press secretaries in in (laughs) our modern history in in the White House. Uh, Johnny, (laughs) Johnny, I'm sorry you're cracking me up, but I was just really looking at this woman yesterday, a photo. I mean, I I say you're cracking me up because it always seems that whenever you and I talk... You bring up things that I've just been thinking about or, or mm. looking at. and uh, yeah. Well, I'm happy that I can accommodate. And we, we haven't pre-planned <laughs> this. This is all organic. So it's, it's not like we've, we've discussed this in prep. Sometimes we do, but it's very rare. But uh, anyway, this is uh, White House Press Secretary Green. Green, Green yeah, Green, because she's wearing a green. green. <laughs> uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre <clears throat> had to get that right. And she's discussing what the Biden administration will soon be encouraging Americans to do. The president said in, in Tahoe that he had tentatively decided to recommend everyone get the new vaccine. When is he going to decide finally? So as you, I think you've heard from the F, uh, FDA and CDC, uh, they've made an announcement on the new vaccine. Uh, so certainly um, they said that they will have an there'll be an updated vaccine September, mid-September, I believe. So uh, we know that, as you all know, vaccinations against COVID-19 remains the safest protection for avoiding hospitalization, long term health outcomes and death, which is why we are we are going to be encouraging uh, Americans to stay up to date on their vaccines. There you go. Uh-huh. That's that's on the agenda. That's coming up. This is to be normalized until it is universally required. Yes, it's more so than what we want to admit. We Mm -hmm. actually have a we have a clip of um, of Tony Blair. I have to go back and I think I I think I can dig it out. But I have a clip of uh, of Tony Blair on the stage at Davos at the World Economic Forum last year saying, look, we've got agendas that are coming up and you're going to need multiple shots in each one of those agendas. And Mm -hmm. we we started to notice that when they started to roll out the uh, the covid vaccine, the, the vaccine passport. I guess I shouldn't say that just the vaccine, but the, the COVID vaccine passport here in Europe, because the EU took the lead on it. We noticed that they had slots in there for eight boosters, not just the one or two and you're done kind of thing. No, they had eight slots in there and that wasn't supposed to be made public. But when they rolled it out at first, they they dialed back on it later. But when they rolled it out at first, it had all the all the slots in there for all the things you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. So that's coming. That is indeed coming. Mm-hmm. See, the unfortunate thing about the the time that we live in is that we are all, all of us, because of the digital age, we're in our own little echo chamber. We're in our own little bubble, our own little COVID bubble, so to speak. And I don't think that there is anything, I don't think there's a way around that except becoming more resilient within yourself. A hard, you know how they talk about insecurity hardening something? We, we need to harden your security so that nothing yep. gets through there. Well, I think that that's what we all have to do within our own minds is harden our own firewalls, our own security systems, and be very, very careful about what we let into our minds. There isn't an answer out there. And everything is so controlled. One of the things that Alan would point out about a search engine, and this is true 
no matter what search engine you're using. If it's one of the ones that is more supposedly into your privacy, et cetera, et cetera, you're still going to come up with suggestions. What Alan said is these search engines are created to give you your very own search results. So if you have you at your IP address and me at my IP address, and we're both using the same search engine, I promise you that we're going to come back with different results because it's being tailored in real time for you. If it was the Wild West 25 years ago, it isn't the Wild West now. It is a, a facade, one of those facade towns like on a movie set where it looks like a real business. It looks like a legitimate so-called platform. And this is the same thing, whether you're on a freedom-loving platform like a Telegram or a, a Getter or a Gab or Twitter or Instagram, everything is being tailored just for you. That's a hard thing for people to wrap their minds around, but it is true. And I, I could go on and on about examples of looking for something, you know, sh <laughs> I had to have a door repaired, my front door repaired. I mean, it was in such bad shape. I could see the sun coming through it in places. Okay. So it was a problem. And I looked at replacing the door. It was too expensive. My mom and dad had a custom door years ago, and they had replaced this custom door a couple of times. And the weather in Texas is so harsh. Anyway, couldn't just go to Home Depot and get a new door. So I finally ended up doing like the cheapest, cheapest, you know, somebody said Bondo to me and lights and bells went off in my head. I'm like, oh, Bondo. <laughs> so it's the cheapest solution, but it worked. But in doing the online research of a few days, one of my brothers who does not live in this house with me and does not share any devices with me noticed that he was getting a lot of um, information about doors, <laughs> door replacement, door repair. And this has happened over and over again, because you see, my brothers are part of my circle. They are my, you know, I don't have like online friends, but they are connected to me digitally. And this is how the world works. And you've got to be hardened within your own security system of your own mind to trust what you see and what you experience and not wait for somebody or jump on. I, I promise you that so much of what's been put out around COVID is intentional disinformation, including by the so-called alternative, so-called truthers. We're swimming in disinformation. Indeed, we are. Just to kind of go back there, when you said we're all looking at uh, different search results, I, I found myself in a in quite a quandary. You can have a conversation with somebody and you can agree on one topic or two topics or even three topics. And I found that there was um, a, a, a rigidity that would form when you would start getting into other subjects that were similar subjects. And when you see 
the subjects that you do agree on and you say, okay, well, what do you think about this? And they're the polar opposite. And then it starts to go even further and further to one of the extremes. People don't realize that we're looking at two different versions or multiple different versions of the same reality. And it's because of these tailored things, as you said. If you apply mm -hmm. what you said, it's like, for example, from Google, right? Like if somebody uses a search engine, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, look at, you know, any of these, even Telegram, you mentioned Telegram, you can pick and choose what you want to see. And if you pick and choose what you want to see, that information, again, is going to be tailored to you. You mm -hmm. might agree on a few things with someone else, but they have their own feed and they're not going to see the exact same things as you. And so you're going to have a differing of opinion and you're both going to believe that both of those things are true or both of those things are false or maybe neither. Yes. Yeah. The way that they have used, and when I say they, I'm talking about the, the totalitarian mindset in this world. I, I can't really, I can't put just a name on it. If you look at the way these institutions and, and these control freaks, for lack of a better term, if you look at the way that they have socially engineered people, especially, I, I think the last few years when, when COVID started, they really turned the heat up. You could see the reprogramming of people. I saw it in real time. Yes. And when you saw the, the, the restrictions, as in like the, the COVID restrictions, the masks, the mandates, turning people against each other, using these platforms, that is just a, a kind of evil that the average person, you can't, even, you can't even fathom. Can you imagine this technology into the tyrants of the 20th century? And we yes. somehow think that now we're past all of that when we're actually not. We're just in a new era. No, no. It's... Uh I mean, that's another thing that, that Alan Watts said quite a few times is, see, we willingly give up our privacy. We willingly share our data. And he said tyrants, speaking of, you know, the those 20th century tyrants that, you know, we've, we've been told about, you know, Stalin, Hitler, he said they would have died <laughs> to have this kind of information Absolutely. and control. I mean, you know, uh, that we willingly give them. Uh, it's, you know, another thing, too, that you got me thinking of there were the Macy conferences that I, I think this was the 50s. It could have started in the late 40s. But I do know that Margaret Mead, this sham, this con artist called, who called herself an anthropologist, who was a in a creator of just fictional rubbish that was hugely responsible for bringing in the sexual revolution of the 1960s, was married for a while. It ended in divorce, but she was married for a while to um, a linguist and a cybernetic specialist. I can't recall his name. He was British. And they the two of them, with a few other people, started the Macy Conference. It grew to have a lot of people. But one of the big things that they were doing in this meeting of the great minds of that time was getting deep into cybernetics. Now, I mean, think about that, because we're given this ridiculous history of computers, uh, the military applications of them, and then some nerd named Bill Gates. And, you know, so we, we get this ridiculous history of computers. But the truth, when you're talking about reprogramming people, rewiring their minds, they have studied us like computers or components of a large computer for many, many, many decades. 
And I actually think that they can reprogram people's minds in real time. Uh, That may sound a little audacious, but I believe that it is true. And if not real time, very, very, very very quickly. It is very close. I, I would start to see people's views on things change within a matter of days. Mm-hmm. I went from being somebody that was understood, I guess, to being an outsider very quickly. As in, you don't want to do these things? There must be something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Not a week before that, these peop- these same people were saying, yeah, the hell with these these government people. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. We're not going to listen to them. That's, that's just crazy. And then all of a sudden, it's like a, a week goes by and all of a sudden, I'm on the out group. I'm not saying I'm the only one here. I'm just saying with my own personal experience is I started to notice that I was slowly becoming an outsider. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. You're a medical professional. You know, to some of these people, you're the medical professional. You're supposed to be researching this as a medical professional, as a doctor, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, whatever, as a, as a paramedic, whatever. You're supposed to know this stuff and you're supposed to educate people like me that mm-hmm. don't know the ins and outs of, of all things medicine, because that's your profession. That's what you do. And when I started to see doctors and, and medical professionals and, and pharmacists, and I, I started to see them say, well, these are things that have to be done. Hang on a minute. You don't, as a physician, as a practicing physician, you don't have questions about what's being done? No. So, so I, I would see people I, be, be reprogrammed. And I don't know how, to this day, I don't know how they did it other than the mass manipulation because they, they shut everything down. They shut all the social circles down. So you couldn't have your actual, usual face-to-face conversations, interactions. You didn't have that. You couldn't go to your normal social gathering places, a cafe, a restaurant, a bar, um, a gym, a church, any place like that, in community centers. You couldn't go there. And so your perception was monopolized through the media and through social media. Everything was tailored, as we were discussing. That's the only thing I can I can surmise is that's how they were able to do it. I think that 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 work, what you're talking about, um, that that kind of getting into people's minds is something that has been on the go for a long, long, long time now. I saw that, that, you know, that mass formation idea, I saw that there was something, something to it. But that it, it it wasn't really a blanket explanation for me. It couldn't be because I could always hear Alan's voice in my head saying, everybody, everybody has a conscience. Everybody knows right from wrong. Everybody has free will. Now we give that up. You see what I mean? You, you, you allow your conscience to be dulled. You can become so warped and twisted that you, you there may be some difficulty distinguishing right from wrong. But that 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 corruption of your mind is the result then of the choices that you've made with your free will. So to see people follow this along like lemmings, including medical professionals, I I don't think that that was an operation that they could achieve in real time. I think that the that minds had to be corrupted intergenerationally. People had to be trained only to listen to experts. I, I think that, that that groundwork was laid for a long time before they, they brought this operation out. But doctors, you, you bring up a really good point there because doctors, they're almost, they're just way too trusting of the institutions that they have been told to trust. And that would include 
like in this country, um, the American Medical Association, the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, all of these different things that shaped the narrative and shaped what the plan was going to be, what drugs were allowed. No, no drugs. As a matter of fact, all we can do is sit on our hands and wait for the vaccine. All of that came from these authorities that people trusted. You know, there is, if I remember to send it to you after we get done talking, I'll send you um, something that was written by a physician that I've actually known my whole life from, you know, my childhood. He, He was my contemporary and he became a doctor. He became a pathologist. And he started blogging about COVID based on his own experiences. And he had the the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. I don't remember which one that was called. But he had that vaccine uh, as soon as it became available in the spring of 2021. And then he, because he was a pathologist and he could, he tested himself a couple of months later. And he only had like 40% of the antibodies that you know, after the original load of 100% there. And four or five months later, he tested himself and he had zero antibodies. So this isn't how a vaccine, this wasn't how he was trained to think a vaccine would work. And yeah, they're talking about boosters, boosters. But his point was that it shouldn't be mandated that you shouldn't get a passport and have and confer special privileges to people who were vaccinated because they're really no safer uh, than the unvaccinated. And this put him on his own journey of discovery and thinking. But one of the things that he read, he wrote that I, I read was talking about the way that doctors are trained to trust these institutions. And he wrote about his own just devastation to realize that the CDC had been lying. Now, very few doctors came to that same discovery, I think in part because the ego just protects you. It will not let you be wrong, right? (laughs) It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think that's the way that it is. Is you're, you're brought up in this, this system to trust these institutions because these are the experts. And we've talked about the expert class before, and you've, you've mentioned how Alan used to bring up the, uh, the rise of the expert classes before. That's where we are. Is everyone was presented with these, these people, and I, I remember he, he gave a talk on this once. Uh, I can't remember what it was from. He, he did so many talks and documentaries and, and things like that, but uh, he talked about how. People can't handle multiple crises. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't deal with uh, like three or four at at a time. So simultaneously, you, you can't. If you're hit with three or four different crises out of your control, then you will by default go into this this deep depression, and you will look for any solution to get you out of it. And we're all of a sudden presented with this savior, bring in Dr. Fauci on the television that says, well, clearly we just need to get everybody vaccinated. That's what the solution is to all of this. And then it just got worse, progressively worse from from there on out, because you're supposed to trust the experts. So Mm -hmm. I don't believe, I didn't believe any of those people from the start. How people could have been twisted and manipulated into believing that, as you said, you had the uh, uh, the doctor that you knew 
that tested themselves. Well, he became disillusioned. He mm-hmm. became uh, a bitter rival to the uh, the status quo. He has to be shunned. He's on the out group all of a sudden. The fact that Moore didn't do that is it's absolutely shocking to me. Ned brought this point up on Monday when he was on. And he said, you've got all these television presenters because all the networks and everything, they all had the mandates. So you've got all these television presenters that had mandates that took these these um, supposed vaccines. They were literally dropping on camera on live television and they're still promoting it. They're still they're still going along with it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Can you not see that you're you're playing Russian roulette here? Can, can you not see that? Can, can you not see that you've been deceived to the point where they've they've literally they've tricked you into gambling with your own life? That's a game that's too high stakes for me. I'm sorry. I don't have any amount of, I guess, the, the ability to be manipulated within my brain. As you said, you can't you can't brainwash us. You can't you can't turn us. It's just not going to happen. People are stuck in this this idea of this this group think and this this mass uh, hysteria, you know, mass mass formation because it's easy for them. It, mm-hmm. It's the convenient thing for them to do. It doesn't require thought. It doesn't require uh, independent thinking. That's one of the things that Carol Quigley talked about in Tragedy and Hope, and he said, and he was absolutely correct when in, when he put it this way: people don't want to make decisions for themselves because they're afraid of the, if they do make a decision for themselves, then it could lead them on a path of multiple wrong decisions. And then you're in a place where you don't want to be. So in order for you to make a decision about something, you need to evaluate all your alternatives. Then you need to make your choice. It could be the wrong choice, but that's the choice that you made. That's becoming an individual. That's Mm -hmm. making the right choice for you and what's best for you. I'm sorry, I don't want to do the convenient thing. I want to think things through. The Greek philosopher, Hesiod was his name. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Yeah. He said there are three types of people in the world. You've got the people that think things through. You've got the people that listen to people that think things through. And then you have people that do not listen or think. (laughs) And those people are usually stupid and dangerous. I don't want to be the third one. I'm not going to be the third one. I refuse to be the third one. And trying to get people to to understand. I, I remember I saw... Um, a uh, over here in, in Germany, they have these these big Christmas markets every year, and you can go and you can have food and and drink and do some shopping. It's like arts and crafts shows kind of thing and, and stuff like that. And I remember it was vaccine passport only, and people were in there outside. Now, mind you, this is outside in the middle of December. Okay, outside. And they had security there. They had the, um, the they had the cattle stalls, the cattle runs where you had to go in between the gates to get into the vaccine passport thing. And you had all these people in there wearing masks, pulling them down to drink beer or smoke <laughs> and eat sausages outside. <laughs> this is outside. OK, <laughs> I'm standing over top because I was I was standing in a, in a level up where you could look down inside and you could see what was going on. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I, I thank the good Lord above every day that I can read. <laughs> oh, that that's really funny. And it, it's it's sad and it's scary, too. It, it's, you know, here's the thing. Uh, you, you we, we go through the motions right at the beginning of the show. You said, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? You say, well, you know, in the 10 or 15 minutes, whatever, that we're getting ready, doing the sound check and everything, we, we might be a little more truthful with one another about what's going on. And so when we were setting up today, I said, well, Johnny, I just spilled my smoothie all over one of my computers. <laughs> it's you leaked made a choice. into the <laughs> You made a <laughs> <Exactly>. choice. <laughs> 
I said, it's leaked into the terminals. It's in the USB drives. It's a mess. Now, here's the thing. I put that smoothie down on the counter. I have this pillow on the back of my chair so that it's comfortable and I'm situated in there comfortably. And I know it's risky. I've almost knocked over a glass of water before when the back of the pillow, you know, tapped on it. So you see, I did something that I knew better. I didn't need to consult an expert. An expert might have said, not best practice, not advisable, but I did it and I spilled it everywhere. And I, I was annoyed. And you're watching, you're talking while I'm cleaning it up and I've got the alcohol out there and everything. Well, you see, the point that I'm getting to is I always want to be the one who's making a decision about how I live my life and what I do. And I make mistakes all the time, every day, all day long. They're not quite as ridiculous as that mistake, but I make mistakes that snowball. I do try to think things through and I, you know, sometimes I think things through and they're, it's right. And I'm saved a lot of grief and heartache. But you see, I don't have anybody that I can blame for my troubles, Nobody made me put that smoothie down there <laughs> right next to the computer and then brush that pillow on the back of the chair up against it. See, I did that. And it's quite empowering when you think for yourself or don't think for yourself, but you say, well, I didn't think. And, you know, that happened. You see, a lot of people want to be able to put the blame on somebody else. And experts, it's like a Punch and Judy show for politics. You vote them in, you have absolutely no say in what they're doing or what policies get put into place. So you just throw tomatoes at these puppets all day long. Well, I don't need to do that. I don't need to be angry at somebody else for how my life turned out. I did that. I made that choice. I went there. This was my decision. And I'm okay with that. You know, sometimes it's going to work out well. And then sometimes I'm going to have smoothie in the computer. I, I'm guessing, judging by that that response, that uh, you didn't watch the uh, the latest round of presidential debates this last week, I did you? I did not. <laughs> I didn't I did not. <laughs> I didn't either. I saw, I saw the, uh, the usual suspects in the <clears throat> alternative media uh, covering it. And I thought, really, fellas, this is the best we can do. This is this is the kind of stuff we're putting out there for people to to see another presidential reality show. I know we said a couple of weeks ago when you were on that we might end up discussing uh, controlled opposition. And I, when I see all that stuff, even even the people you throw tomatoes at that are up there on the stage, even that all of that is is staged. It's all a big con job. It's all a yeah. con game. And they have these they have these ridiculous hosts on Fox News, and they play these. I listen to, you know how they have like the, the time limit and then the buzzer whenever somebody's done talking or, or something or whatever. Mm -hmm. They play these, it's almost like cartoon-like, like childlike noises so that people that are watching at home or in the audience can follow along. It's like follow the bouncing ball when the politician talks. It's, mm -hmm. the, most, it's the most condescending, insulting thing I've ever seen when it comes to these things. And these are the people that, that get presented to us. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pablum. With, you know, baby food. It's pre-chewed, pre pre-masticated. It's just rubbish. And we're supposed to take it seriously. I, I'm uh, sorry, but I, I can't. I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I, I watch it and I think to myself, and I, I see people eating this stuff up, the average American citizen. I see them eating this stuff up and they, they think that it's it's real. 
they think that it actually affects something. They think that it actually uh, will change things, and it, it won't. This this concept of um, and I, I mean I I'm sorry to to kind of change the subject here, but I mean we're just kind of rolling with it. But this Trump indictment thing, this is all doing more harm than good. We're not actually focused on on real problems. We're not focused on informing people of what real issues actually are there that need to be addressed. We're not fixing anything. We're taking mug shots and we're selling T-shirts. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. And and they're they're bankrolling this. They're making millions of dollars. I saw that Trump did the the mug shot thing, and he saw he had some T-shirts made up at Turning Point. They made like eight million dollars off of that stuff in the last yeah. week. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. How do you make eight million dollars off of T-shirts for that? Who buys that stuff? It's uh-huh. it's it's beyond it's beyond anything that I could even possibly imagine. We were talking about things that we do behind the scenes before we started. Maybe we need to start selling T-shirts with mugshots on. <laughs> <laughs> if they're making eight million dollars off of that in a week, you know, I mean, it's just I can't believe. <laughs> I cannot believe what I actually see. I, I really can't because we pay. It, it's just it's incredible to me. We pay clowns. We pay unintelligent buffoons. We we just like the, the, the average person just throws money at them. You know, we. Well, what amazes me, Johnny, is how layered that part of the system. We're just talking about politics right now. So how layered that part of the system is, because it is so important for it to be presented to us as real, that it matters, that it makes a difference. And so you're going to go all the way, let's say if you start at the top of this non-reality charade, then you're going to have all of the different think tanks and advisors and cabinets, and you're going to have all of the publications that they read. So it might be Foreign Affairs magazine, or it, you know, they have their own reality. Then it trickles down to the reality below that. So you're going to have your politics shaded, whether you are a reader of Fox or you're a reader of the New York Times or the Washington Post. So you're going to get into the ring armed with that information. Then you're going to drop down a little bit and you're going to have all of the, like the turning point and the $8 million worth of t-shirts. Then you have the more just pure gossipy things. You know, I was scrolling around looking at the latest news and I just saw this ridiculous thing. It was a picture of... um, Ivanka Trump or Ivanka Kushner and Jared Kushner walking along and, you know, they're dressed all hoi polloi or whatever the word is, you know, they're they're the toffs. And the whole piece of the article was how they were kind of sitting this out right now. You don't hear much from them about the indictments or about Trump or what's going on there because they bought a $24 million home that they're completely renovating in some posh neighborhood in Miami or wherever. And, you know, so this is just gossip. So for some in the audience who just want to know, well, what, and you got the same thing in the UK, you know, what did the prince do? What did his wife, you know, they've got another baby on the way. What, you know, oh, this, you know, Harry's out. Nobody likes him. It's wherever you fit into this non-reality, whatever you're ingesting, they've got you covered. You know, they've got the publication for you to make it seem real, to make it seem like it matters. That's just critical because, you see, if I'm selling a T-shirt, it's going to be a spilled glass and it's the T-shirt says 
oops. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I don't have anybody to hate on. But in that reality there, you can spend your whole life. I, I mean, we're joking about it, but Johnny, this is so sad. It's it tragic it because generations who lived and died before us were sold the same non-reality that they bought as genuine. And their lives, the true essence of a human is then stolen from them. And that's just a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Do you think anybody stops to think that the, starting at the top that you were talking about, the the foreign policy people and the, the think tanks and everything else, does anybody stop to think that these people are wrong? about everything. You know how it trickles down, you say it goes down to each to each layer. Does anybody stop to think that these people are not correct? Well, yes, people do stop to think that. And you know what they call those people? Conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists. Yes, you're absolutely and right. And you you need you need counseling, you need uh, therapy, you need medication, you need to be reeducated because you're suffering from, you know, information disorder, either willfully or accidentally. You're just ignorant. You know, that's a word that I stumbled on researching last week. Um, they they have a term for us willfully ignorant people, they call it agnotology. And that word was uh, coined by some researcher, I think in like 1992, right around there somewhere. And it comes from, you know, the the, the Greek prefix agnos, but it's, you know, it's this, which is not knowing or, you know, like an agnostic. So it's the study of willfully or, or ignorant people, deliberately ignorant people that fall for conspiracy theories or worse. One of the things that I found now, this was chilling. I found it on the NIH website. So you're talking about ignorance now as a medical problem. And that is where ultimately people who say, oh, we're just going to sit this out. You know, I'm not getting that vaccine. You know, no, I'm not that, you know, that experimental, that, you know, that, that shot, that clot shot. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, that, that will eventually not be possible. They, that study that I read classifies the mental illness of ignorance into group one, two, and three. Group one is you're, you're just, you know, unfortunate. You stumbled onto disinformation. You know, group two is you're spreading disinformation, but unwittingly, unknowingly. And group three is you are willfully spreading disinformation. Well, guess what, Johnny? What group are you in? What group am I in? Uh, we're willfully spreading disinformation That's right. because because we <laughs> can think, we can actually research, we can go and do deep dives into dusty old books somewhere and go back a century or two or three or ten and figure out what in the world is actually going on. Yeah, and and we can equate that to what we see in modern events in modern times. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but you can see where it goes by doing research that you find in the even not so distant past, you can figure out where it's going to go. Yes, that is right. And that's, you know, that is what Alan Watt would often say is, look, I just did the research. Okay. I'm not a fortune teller. I just did the research and I did a lot of it. And it, you know, that allowed me to figure things out. I was talking to somebody yesterday about that. I had a long conversation, about an hour. This person said, you know, I never thought that 
things were actually this way that you're describing. He says, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of didn't really trust the institutions, he says, but I grew up believing in them. And I said, yeah, I, you know, I did too. And he says, well, we don't hear about these things. And I said, let me ask you something. What would people do if people actually listened? If, if people could be that individual that we were talking about and make up their own mind and think things through. If people became disillusioned, what do you think would happen? And I just kind of sat there with a smile on my face like I've got right now. And he said, they'd lose control. And I said, yeah, they would. And so we have to keep everything as this facade. We have to keep the lie going. Because if you don't, then God help the establishment if people, <laughs> you know, if they decide that they're going to step up and take control of their own lives. Mm-hmm. We can't have that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not as you said, it's not as if you're a fortune teller. I don't consider myself to be anyone of any consequence. I've said that many a times before, but I know where to go and I know what to read and I can figure this stuff out for myself. What I learned in all my years of education, I wasn't actually taught what really happened in the world. I had to figure that out for myself. There again, you become disillusioned with things. You take that red pill, you can't go back mm-hmm. to sleep. And so people can do this, but people, I think, first of all, they have to be willing. They have to understand, first of all, that there's something in the world that's just not right, regardless of what they do. I think even subconsciously, people have a feeling that something is just not right, even now, especially now because of everything that's, that's gone on and everything that's coming back. People have, a, I, I guess, just this, this urge that something's wrong, but they don't know what. And people, I think, just need to be given the tools to be able to do things for themselves. They have to be directed. They have to be put onto the right line of things in order for them to discover things for themselves. It's not about someone else telling you what to do. That's what everybody's looking for. Everyone's mm-hmm. looking for a savior, you know, a, a Donald Trump or a, I, I don't know, an ice cream eating Joe Biden or, or something. You know, I'm, I'm just saying in general, I'm just using them as an example because everybody knows them. But everybody's looking for that singular savior when all they have to do is look in the mirror and realize that they are their own salvation. That's right. Yeah. You you know, another Alan, you are your own champion. And, you know, I am my own champion. And sometimes being my own champion, I have to wear the T-shirt that says, oops, <laughs> you know, but better that, better that than trusting the expert class. Because the yeah. expert class, I, I've, I know enough. I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm just making my way. I mean, thank God for the work of Alan Watt, you know, thank God, but I'm making my way through my own research and then I'm listening to his words in my head. So that there's that, but we would be bumbling along in the dark, but there have been voices through history. You know, George Orwell, he, he showed us what the, the system looked like and we're very much in a 1984 kind of world, you know, that combined with Brave New World, you know, it's a... a, a a great combination of those two scenarios, but it it's the unwillingness of people to be their own champion. And that's what they have to, I always go to the point of saying, you know, we have a common enemy, we have a common enemy, but it's like you said, how quickly they'll turn on you. You can talk to someone for a few minutes and you, you see eye to eye on something, and then you get to that place where you have a divergent opinion. And before you know it, it's really heated and it's ugly. And this is another thing that Alan would say, you know, cautioning about looking for particularly a political champion, but a champion outside of yourself. He said, where are you going to get two people to agree on 
anything. And that is so true because the agreement will be for a little while on one subject, but it so quickly dissipates and, you know, everyone is so sure that they've got all the facts. And to get someone to a state where they're willing to kind of take things upon themselves, that takes... Yeah, and this is this is where you lose a lot of people, even people that that are understanding of what goes on. It takes months of I I, I don't know of a, of another term. I'm just going to use a professional term that I've used before. It takes months of debriefing to get mm-hmm. somebody to understand what's actually happening in the world. You can't just sit down and have a casual conversation over a cup of coffee or over dinner or something like that. It takes multiple conversations and, and multiple layers of, of debriefing and peeling back that, you know, each layer of that onion to tell people more and more and more and, and go deeper and deeper as to what's actually going on before people can finally start to get the hint of the underlying reality of what's actually happening here. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. And I again, this that's not convenient for people. People like convenience, people like quickness, and they, they like everything ready-made, you know, ready to order, ready to go, and you just pick it up and, and you go with it. Well, unfortunately, where we are, things are so complex, and the disinformation campaigns are so, they're so mixed up. E- each one is wrapped in another layer of deception, and then you have another campaign that's wrapped in another layer of deception, and then on, that's on top of another layer, as you said. You, so you it, made it me takes, think of something... Yeah, Yeah, earlier you were talking about, well, we were both talking about the alternative and disinformation and how hard it is. You know, everything is custom made for you. You're looking for it. And one of the things that I noticed when you're talking about how quickly people would turn on you, uh, because they want that ready-made thing, they want the little soundbite, the video that explains in five minutes or less everything that's wrong with the world and how it's going to be fixed. And you saw that over and over and over in Operation COVID. So for a segment of the population who determine, okay, something is wrong here, this isn't good, then a whole pile of them have to immediately jump on 5G. 5G explains everything. Uh, Or there's a group that for them, nanobots, nanotechnology, that explains everything. And there's another group that says... It's terrain theory. There's no such thing as a virus. Uh, let's just go there. They ne- and, and it's true enough. I mean, w- w- did any of us actually see this so-called COVID-19 under a microscope? Did we ever have it isolated for us? No, we didn't. So it's easy to understand. And it is by design that they do it. It's easy to understand how we get splintered into factions so easily, so quickly. And for me, the only solution is let's just not have to have more of an explanation than intent to harm, intent to kill. I was talking on the last Real History that I put up on the 24th with Dr. William Mackis, M.D., out of Canada. And he's done a lot of really good work on the injuries that have resulted from this experimental shot and deaths that have resulted from it and injuries and deaths that may not be able, you can't necessarily prove that they had the experimental shot, but it looks likely. He said the same thing, you know, because this is not a, a guy that comes out of the truther world or, you know, has always has long been searching for answers. He's a physician. 
But I asked him, have you considered, busy as you are, that there's something more at play here than greed? And he said, oh, yeah, there's intent to harm and intent to kill. And I think that that's a good point. If people can just get that far in their thinking, something is going on here. They want to harm me. Don't grab on to the first plausible explanation. Don't grab on to the second or the third, because it may have been put out there for us. It may be supplied. Many, many of these rabbit holes are custom made for us to become lost in. The best way to jump off a cliff is to jump off the cliff. You're not looking for something to grab on the way down. Aha, this is it. This explains everything. I don't think there is anything that explains everything. You've got to be okay not knowing everything. You're telling me there's no holy grail. Oh, well, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I I had to. I I could not pass up that opportunity. That explains everything. You see? That explains it all. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're telling me there's no national treasure. Yeah, you're telling (laughs) me there's no national treasure. Is that what you're saying to me? No, No, I would never want want to break your illusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, you're you're right. You can't know everything. And it, it is... It is so difficult with the research that I do, and I'm sure you probably run into the same thing. It is difficult to accept that part of it because mm-hmm. when we're researching something, at least, you know, from my, and, you know, let me know if you feel the same, but when I'm researching something, I'm always like, all right, I got to know more. I, I got to go and I got to read this book. And of course that book re- leads, you know, leads to the next book and the next research paper and the next project and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And it's a never ending cycle, but you never actually arrive at the answer you're looking for. <laughs> not, not all the time, but you never get to the end. There, there's never, no. there's never an end to it. Like there's never a, a crux to everything that unlocks the whole thing. It's just not there. So you're going to be chasing and and researching and and doing all of these projects, thinking that you're going to know everything and you're not. And you have to be comfortable with that. It's one of those those things you just have to accept. Unfortunately, we're at time. So we're going to have to go. But it's been a great conversation as always. Love having you on. Are you working on another podcast? I know you just talked about uh, the the latest one that you've got. Do you have another one you're getting ready to work on? Yes, I was just able to record with uh, Darren from South Africa. And this time we were joined on the line by Joanne, Joanne Burmister. And she works, she helps on a volunteer basis, Petrosito, who is a black man who has been bringing awareness in South Africa to the farm murders, the farm killings. And she has been helping him do administrative things and answering his emails and helping him, you know, set up a backup buddy, which is like a crowdfunding thing. A very lovely lady. I had not spoken with her before. So we had a really good, uh, long conversation. And they sent me some video footage. Petros went to the BRICS summit, which is uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa summit that took place in South Africa recently. So he carried his, you know, stop farm killings white cross with him. And they sent me some images that I can illustrate the little video with. It was a it was a very illuminating conversation because we branched out from farm killings. We went back in time and history to cover Nelson and Winnie Mandela. Piece of work there. So oh, yeah. I'm funded by dear old Klaus himself. You know, you forgot to mention when we were when when you were discussing the um, 1984 mixed with Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. We have our own Bond villain. Oh yeah, 
They didn't have that. You know, we have our own Bond villain in, uh, in, in our world, in our reality. So yeah. we're, we're doing better than Brave New World or 1984 because we have Klaus. That's right. <laughs> and his mentor, dear old Henry. So uh, yeah, that's all you can do with that guy is just sigh thinking, oh my goodness, is he still around? You know. Anyway, as I said, it's been great having you on. Uh, looking forward to your, uh, your new episode of, um, uh, of your podcast. Uh, what's, up on your, uh, what's up on your website that you're working on? Do you have any new projects you're working on over there? I saw the MK Ultra thing, by the way, that was put together by the, uh, the content creator, and it was very well done. Loved it. Well, the next one up um, that just went up is Star Suckers. And I don't have in front of me, I meant to look that up in case you asked, but this was a documentary that was done, oh, maybe a dozen years ago. Really good. And it just, it, it shows a lot of how the media is used to influence behavior, especially how children are brought into being used by the information and entertainment industries. So that it's a good video. It's called Star Suckers, and that just went up. And then I do the Redux every week, um, and I don't know what's going up next. I kind of wait for inspiration in choosing that. So I, the inspiration hasn't dropped in my lap. It will. It always does. It <laughs> yeah, just like takes a... time. It's like it's like writer's block, you know. It just <laughs> it, it just all of a sudden it just hits you. That's right. Like a smoothie on a computer. Like a smoothie on a keyboard. Yep, you got it. All right, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. Again, that is Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information that they maintain where they curate the life-collected works of the late, great Alan Watt. And again, her podcast is Real History with Melissa. That is available everywhere you get your podcasts. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'd like to thank you for being here today, Melissa. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening.